Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles. The Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles and chapter number 6. The book of 2 Chronicles and chapter number 6. Now to kind of catch everyone up where we currently are at, that King Solomon had been tasked by his father David to build a temple for the Lord. And that we explored that the purpose of the temple was to be a visible dwelling place, an idea where God's people would dwell among his people. That God doesn't want to be a God who's far off or distant, that God has always wanted to dwell among the people. And the tabernacle was a physical building that gave the, uh, the reminder that God wants to be among his people. Well, Solomon took this task to heart and used this time to build the temple for the Lord. Solomon's temple was a very expensive endeavor. It cost over $20 billion dollars to build in today's economy, or at least several years ago economy, who knows what it is today. And he built it and then he dedicated it to the Lord. When he dedicated it to the Lord, God in his presence came down as a cloud, filled in the holy place and expanded out. And so that way none of the priests could minister. Now Solomon in response to God filling the temple and putting his presence there is now going to fall on his face and he is going to pray. Notice if you don't mind as we now catch Solomon praying in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 6. 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and notice with me in verse number 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 6 starting at verse 12. And he that Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands. For Solomon had made a brazen scaffold of five cubits long and five cubits broad and three cubits high and set it in the midst of the court. And upon it he stood and kneeled down upon his knees before all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands towards heaven and said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in the heaven, nor in the earth, which keepest covenant, and showest mercy unto thy servants that walk before thee with all their hearts, which has kept with thy servant David, thy father, which thou hast promised him, and spake with thy mouth, and fulfilled it with thine hand, as it is this day. Now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David, my father, that which thou hast promised, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit upon the throne of Israel. So yet, uh, yet so that thy children take heed to walk their way to, <coughs> sorry, take heed to their way to walk before my law as thou hast walked before me. Now then, O Lord God of Israel, let thy word be verified, which Thou hast spoken unto thy servant David. 
But will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house which I have built. Have respect, therefore, to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry and to the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee, that thine eyes may be open upon the, this house today and night, and upon the place wherein thou hast said thou hast put thy name there, to hearken unto the prayer which thy servant prayeth toward this place. Hearken, therefore, unto the supplications of thy servant, and of thy people Israel, which they have made toward this place. Hear thou from thy dwelling place, even from heaven, when thou hearest, forgive. If a man sin against his neighbor, and an oath be laid upon him to make him swear, and the oath cometh before thine altar in this house, then hear thou from heaven, and do, and judge thy servants, by requiting the wicked, by recompensing his way upon his own head, and by justifying the righteous, by giving him according to his righteousness. And if thy people Israel be put to the worse because of the enemy, because they have sinned against thee, and shall return and confess thy name, and pray and make supplication before thee in this house, then hear thou from heavens, and forgive the sin of thy people's Israel, and bring them again unto the land which thou givest them, and to their fathers. And when the heaven is shut up, and there was no rain because... They have sinned against thee. Yet, if they pray towards this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou dost afflict them, then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel when thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk and send rain upon the land that they shall be given unto the, thy people for an inheritance. And if there be a dearth in the land, if there be a pestilence, if there be a blasting or mildew, locust or caterpillar, if their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land, whatsoever sore or whatsoever sickness there be, then what prayer or supplication soever shall be made of any man or of all thy people Israel, when everyone shall know his own sore and his own grief and shall spread forth his hands in this place. Then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and re render every man according to his own ways whose heart thou knowest for thou knowest the hearts of the children of men that they may fear thee to walk in thy ways as long as they live in the land which thou givest unto our fathers. Moreover concerning the stranger which is not of thy people Israel but is come from a far country for thy great namesake and thy mighty hand that and thy stretched out arm, if they come and pray in this place, then hear thou from heavens, even from thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for. And all the people of earth may know thy name, and fear thee, as doth thy people Israel, and may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. If thy people go out to war against their enemies, and by the way thou shalt send them and pray unto thee towards this city which thou hast chosen and the name which I have built for thy name. Then hear thou from heavens their prayer and supplications and maintain their cause. And if thy sin, if they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not, 
and thou be angry with them and deliver them over before their enemies and they carry away their captives into a land far off or near. Yet, if they bethink themselves in the land, whether they are carried captive and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned and done amiss and have dealt wickedly. If they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity and whether they have carried them in the land and pray towards their fathers <coughs> or their land that thou givest to their fathers and towards the city which thou hast chosen and toward the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause, and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. Now, my God, let, I beseech thee, thine eyes be open, and let thine ears be attentive unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now therefore arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength, and let thy priest, O Lord, be clothed with salvation, and thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David, thy servant. Now as Solomon is praying, he gives seven specific prayer requests that we can expect God to answer if we pray, and that's good to know. If you don't mind, if you're in the habit of marking things, would you mark a phrase that marks off each of these seven prayer requests? Notice with me verse 23, we find the first marking of it. Then hear thou from heaven. Then hear thou from heaven. Verse 25, then hear thou from heavens. Then hear thou from heavens. Verse 27, then hear thou from heaven. Verse 30, then hear thou from heaven. Verse 33, then hear thou from the heavens. Verse 35, then hear thou from the heavens. Verse 39, then hear thou from the heavens. And from the Lord's help, we want to preach a message based off of this prayer request. Then hear thou from heaven. Then hear thou from heaven. Let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you now, I'm just asking that you would give us grace and mercy. Give us great understanding. We know that you're a God who hears and answers prayer. And Lord, it is for our benefit, for our understanding to even know specific ways to pray that we could trust that you will hear and answer these prayer requests and that you would be God in each of these circumstances. Help us to be people who are dependent upon you even more. And we love you, Lord. Thank you. Fill me with your spirit and that you would guide and direct and that you would help your people respond to you the way that they ought in the medium of prayer. Thank you, Lord. Lord, give me strength, give me power beyond myself to do your work. In your name we pray. Amen. Now as Solomon is praying, he's now dedicated the temple to the Lord. God has showed up. Now Solomon is now falling on his face in response to who God is. In fact, because there's so many people that's gathered together in the courtyard of the temple as it's being dedicated, he had built himself a scaffolding. So now he's standing on some scaffolding that's above the people, and he's standing there addressing the people in, in the courtyard. And in the middle of it, as they're watching this temple being dedicated, God has already responded. Solomon now falls on his face on the scaffolding before everyone. Now, can you imagine this? This is the king. 
This is their king who is now before everyone falling on his face, his hands towards heaven, praying, saying, God, we want you to work. God, we're expecting you to hear answers prayer. God, you're a real God. Please hear for us. In fact, notice with me as he's addressing God, verse 14. And he said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven, nor in the earth, which keepest the covenant and showest mercy unto the servants that walk before thee with all of their hearts. He acknowledges, says, there's no God like this. We're not praying to Ra or to Muhammad or to Allah or to Shiva. We're praying to the God of heaven, the God who created everything, the God who is real, the God who's able to hear and answer prayer, the God who wants to answer prayer. We're talking to the real God, not an imaginary God. We're talking to a real God who's able to work. Verse 18, but God But will God in every deed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, much less the house which I have built. We'll get in the context of this in a second, but as a minor thing, notice what it says. It says heaven and heavens of heaven. Now we know that the Bible, there's three places called heaven. You have, first of all, the heaven where the birds fly. You have heaven where the sun and moon are at. And then you have the heaven of heavens, the third heaven, which is where God dwells. Often when we talk about heaven, we understand that you say, well, grandma went to heaven. We know that she's not just floating in the sky. And we know that she's not hanging out on the moon. We know that when we talk about heaven singular, we're usually referring to the dwelling place of God. So don't get thrown off when it talks about heavens, plural, inside of here. What it's referring to is this phrase, heaven of heavens, the heaven where God dwells. All right? So don't let it throw you off on theology or mess you up. It's just a common term that we still use today that we talk about that God dwells in heaven. He's not at the same place with the birds, and he's not at the same place with the, with the moon and the stars. He's in the third heavens. That's where God dwells. That's where we want to be with him one day dwelling with him forever. In verse number 18, Solomon's acknowledging that it's ludicrous. It just, it's not feasible to have the God of all of the universe come and dwell in a small little house. He says, I know that. I know that I'm not expecting you to go have a residence and you to use electricity and you to check your mailbox. And he says, I understand that. But we're having a place for us where we can remember that you want to dwell among us. And we recognize this, that you are not going to live up here. This is not where you're going to put your mailing address. Hey, you want to mail a letter to God? This is where you write your letter to. He says, I know that. But we want you to be among us. We want you to dwell with us. And we know that you're bigger than it all. We recognize that. We, we are not trying to fit God to a small area. So as Solomon is continuing to pray, he starts off acknowledging who God is. He's acknowledging that God's a great God. And then in here, he gives seven specific prayer requests that we can trust that God would answer on our behalf in each of these circumstances. The very first prayer request that we can see here is that we can expect God to answer when we have a dis- need a dispute answered. When we ha- need a dispute answered. Notice as we see this prayer request in verse 22. 
If a man sin against his neighbor and an oath be laid upon him to make him swear and the oath cometh before thy altar in this house. So here's the circumstance. Let's say that a man messes up, all right? So I do something against my neighbor and there's a dispute. I know that, you know, in the Israel days, there's a dispute. I know that would never happen in a New Testament church where people get side with each other and they, they have a different point of view and things get along. But it says that if we ever come to that situation, you know, and, and you've tried everything, uh, even tried to the idea of going to the courts and still haven't got it settled. Do you know that we can go up to God and expect God to help us to settle disputes? You know, there's one thing in our life is that we never think we're wrong. And so, you know, that's why arguments break up is because we think they're wrong and they think we're wrong. Do you know that as Bible-believing people, God can help direct our path? We don't have to have disputes break up churches. We know that happens where people could get in fights over stupid things, whether it's carpet or a chicken leg or something silly. And, and a whole church is now up in arms because of a stupid chicken leg or a pickle. I, I can tell you stories of silly stuff that happens. Do you know that we can go up to God and ask for wisdom and help him to settle a dispute? Notice as we see this prayer request, verse 23. So verse 22 was the situation. You have two people have a dispute together. Verse 23, then hear thou from heaven and do and judge thy servants by requiting the wicked, by recompensing the way upon his own head and justifying the righteous, giving him according to his righteousness. That we're able to look to God and allow God to take care of a matter. Part of our problem is that we think we've got to solve things ourselves. Do you know that we could trust God to work things out, to fix the problem? We can allow God to be God. It's taking our hands off of it. Say, God, Lord, I think I'm right. They think they're right. But Lord, you take care of it. God will. He's able to settle a matter. You know that if you're looking towards the Lord and I'm looking towards the Lord, God could direct us both. God can guide us. He could direct us. He could show us what's right. We could get wisdom from him and we can allow him to take care of a problem. You know, let's say that there's someone who's clearly wrong. But they're crossing their arms and I don't care what you say. Well, sometimes we feel it's our responsibility to go tell them and teach them where they're wrong. Listen here, I'm tired of your stinking attitude. You sit down here and let me tell you and beat them over the head with the Bible. Well, it doesn't work. And now he's mad at me and now we got people lining up and saying you shouldn't have done that or you got other people cheering you on. Oh man, you should have given it to them harder. And now they're all up in arms and now everybody's looking at the situation instead of God. We can allow God to take care of someone's rotten attitude. We can allow God to take care of someone's issues. We can trust God and keep our eyes on him rather than us feeling like we have to fix everybody and everybody's problems. You understand there's no such thing as a perfect church. If there was such a thing as a perfect church, don't join it because it would no longer be perfect. People have issues. All of us have issues. We just have different issues. Some of us have the same issues. There's not a single person who comes through that door that doesn't have something they need to work on. We'll allow God to work on people. We could trust God. We don't have to fix and take the responsibility of fixing every single person and pointing out every single flaw. 
we can trust God to do his work. And God could do a lot better job fixing people than we ever could. Just allow God to work. God will hear that prayer request. Our responsibility is to mind our own business and keep our eyes on God. I'm so thankful that we have that, that we don't have to go to war with each other. Isn't that a better solution to say, you know what? Let's just pray and trust God and look at him and we're going to move forward rather than going and picking up arms and going to war. Notice we have a second prayer request that we could trust the Lord for. Not only can we trust God to hear when we are need a dispute resolved, we also can go to him when we need to get right with God. We can go up to him and expect him to hear our prayer request when we need to get right with God. Notice with me verse 24. And if thy people Israel be put to worse before the enemy because they have sinned against thee and shall return and confess thy name and pray and make supplication before thee in the house. So here's the scenario. There's consequences for sin that happens and there's consequences. Let's say that someone gets in trouble. They do something foolish. Now there's consequences. Do you know that God will always take you back? That's always so encouraging. It doesn't matter how far you've gone or how deep you've got into it. You turn to God and he will take you back. There is always hope. Someone will say, but preacher, you don't know how bad of a sinner I am. I may not know how bad of a sinner you are, but I know what a savior he is. Notice what God promised in verse 25. Then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of thy people Israel and bring them again unto the land which thou givest to them and to their fathers. You understand there is a restoring work that God wants to do in everyone's life. That God wants to bring people back to himself. Now in verse 25, Four, we see that there's consequences for it. When people walk away, God's going to do things in people's life to draw them back to himself. And when they get to the place where they come to the end of themselves and say, you know what? I've really messed up. I need to get back. God is waiting for them just to say, Lord, I messed up. Please help me. And he says, I've just been waiting this whole time. That what a loving God that we have, that he'll always take us back that he'll always want to restore us. He wants to fix us. He wants to bring us back. And God will hear that prayer. Oh, what a wonderful God that we have. We see there's a third prayer request, a third situation where we can expect God to answer our prayers when we need to stay right with God. Not only when we need to get right with God, when we need to stay right with God. Notice with me verse 26. When the heavens is shut up because there's no rain, because they sinned against thee, yet if they pray towards this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou has afflicted them, then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel when thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk and send the rain upon them and have given the people for an inheritance. So God says, not only will I restore you when you confess your sins, but he says, I want to teach you the good way. I want to teach you the way that you should walk. I want to teach you the right way. And I want to help you to be obedient so you can continue to walk the way that you go. Do you know that's a good prayer request? Because you know what? As the old song says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. You know what my heart wants to do? It always wants to go walking away from God.
You just give it a moment, it will. If we're honest, we'll all be that way. You just give us a moment, we could find sin. You just give us a moment, we could get ourselves into trouble. But God is, wants to teach us the good way. And there are times that we have to say, Lord, I know my heart and it wants to skip church. I know my heart, I don't want to read the Bible today. I know my heart, I don't want to talk to you today. I know my heart, I don't want to witness to people. I know my heart, I want to be grumpy today and I don't want to deal with people. But we could say, Lord, help me beyond myself and help me to follow after you even though my flesh doesn't want to. I'm so thankful that God is willing to help us in those times. Let me tell you, there are many times where I don't need him every hour. I need him every minute. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, if I, if I just keep my eyes off of you for one moment, I'm going to wreck this whole thing. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. And you know what? That doesn't bother God when we say, I need you, I need you, I need you. He says, come on, let's go. I'll help you, I'll help you. I'm so thankful that there's a God who can answer our prayers when we need to stay right with God. Notice there's something else that we find here. Another prayer request. When we need to know what we did wrong. God will hear that prayer request when we need to know what we did wrong. Verse 28. If there be a dearth in the land, if there be pestilence, if there be blasting or mildew, locusts or caterpillars, if the enemies besiege them in cities of their land, whatsoever sore, whatsoever sickness be there. Now let me pause. Now this is talking about the Old Testament economy that in the Old Testament, it was quite often when people would respond, would not follow after God, that God would often send destruction. He would send pestilence. He would send blasting, mildew. He would send things to them. In the New Testament, in the book of Romans chapter 1, dealing with us as Gentiles, as not Hebrew people, do you know that God does some things different with us? than he did in the Old Testament. God doesn't just send blasting and whatever else. You know, the worst judgment he sends to us, according to Romans chapter one, is let us have what we think we want. Let us have what we think we want. And then once we say, woohoo, I got what I want, we realized it wasn't what it cracked up to be. You know, that's pretty much what we say about America today. What is the condition of America? They got what they want. And now we have the consequences of what they want. We don't have the war. We don't necessarily have the pestilence. We don't necessarily have this. But we're living in a nation that got what they wanted. And for us of us who are discerning to say, you know what? This isn't what we should have gotten. We, we've, we've gotten a lot lesser. You let people have what they want. You know, let, let's give an example. All right? So a child, we know how children are. Mom, I no longer want green beans. I no longer want meat. All I want forever and ever is ice cream. <laughs> is that a kid thing to say? I want to eat ice cream. You know what the worst thing you could do is let them have what they want? Will they be healthy if they eat nothing but ice cream? Not at all. Their body will not function correctly. I'm not even talking about weight or anything. I'm talking about they're not getting minerals and vitamins they need. All right? So the worst thing that could happen to them is to get what they want. 
mom, I don't want to go to school anymore. I just don't want it. So Lord, give me, or mom, give me what I want. You know what the worst thing that happened to them is to give them what they want? You know, foolishness abideth in the heart of the child. The worst thing that you can do for a child or for anyone is to give them what they want. The most loving thing you could do from time to time is tell them no. So it's interesting that one of the judgments of God in our Gentile days is God says, fine, I'll give you what you want. See how you like it. And there's a lot of people who think that they're enjoying, but they're more miserable than ever before. So we understand whether it is judgment of pestilence or whatever else, or judgment of living in a place where people got what they want. Do you know that God will still um, show us what we need to do to get things right and how to fix it? For example, don't we live in a country that needs to be fixed? Without a doubt. And you know, normally our response is, well, what can I do to fix them? The problem's not them. Do you know that the wicked's job is to live wicked and they're doing their job? The unrighteous is supposed to live unrighteous and they're doing their job. (laughs) God says the solution, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. That's uh, next Sunday's message, by the way. But you know, if we look at our nation, it's easy to blame everyone else. But if we were to be honest and say, God, what's wrong with our nation? God will say, I'll be glad to tell you. It's you. And this is what you can do to fix it. Notice again what it says in verse number 29. Then what prayer or what supplication whosoever shall be made with any man of all thy people when they when everyone shall know of his own sore and his own grief shall spread forth his hands in this house, then hear thou from heaven and thy, uh, thy dwelling place and forgive and remember, render every man according to his own ways whose heart thou knowest, for thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men. You know, our problem is that our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God can know it. Let's just give the illustration. You give in to your child. You'll let him eat ice cream all the day. And then he's like, mom, I just don't feel good. I've been eating ice cream for like a whole month and uh, I don't feel good. Why don't I feel good? Well, can I tell you why? No, that doesn't sound right. I, I don't need any more green beans. You understand that that heart of the child is deceitful. And his own heart is lying to him. And he needs to be given what he doesn't think he wants. But it's what he needs. There are many times in our life that God, we need to be honest, say, God, if there's something with me that I don't see, can you show me? Every single one of us have blinders. Every single one of us have things that we cannot see of our own selves that others can see very clearly. And if we're honest with God, say, God, can you show me where what is missing in my life? Can you show me what needs to be fixed in my life? And he will. He'll be glad to show you so you can get it right and get it fixed and be restored when we need to know what we did wrong. Something else that we see, another uh, place where we can expect God to answer prayers, and this is going to be a big one. When others need to see our God can hear and answer prayers. 
Notice if you don't mind in verse 32. Moreover, concerning the stranger, meaning someone who's not the Hebrew person, not someone who's not following God. Moreover, concerning the stranger, which is not of thy people Israel, but has come from a far country for thy great name's sake and thy mighty hand and thy stretched out arm. If they come and pray at this house, then hear thou from heavens, even from thy dwelling place and do according to that for the stranger calleth to thee for that all the people of the earth may know thy name and fear thee as doth thy people Israel and they may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. Now this is a big deal. This talks about those who are outside of the church, not believers, that they could be able to deliver prayer requests to his house. Now we know today that's to the New Testament church that they could give it to us. This is how it works. Let's say that there's someone out there who's not saved. They're not a Christian. They don't go to church, but they have a big prayer request. We can take those prayer requests and we could pray to God and God will hear and answer their prayer to prove to them that there is a God in heaven. That's a very big deal. We, we apply that with our own soul winning here. That when we go soul winning and go door knocking, we'll knock on someone's door. Hey, I'm so-and-so from the Riverview Baptist Church. We're just going around the neighborhood trying to be a blessing to folks. See if there's anything we can do to pray for you on. Now, they're kind of taken back because we're not trying to get something from them. We're trying to be a blessing to them. And many times they'll be nice to us, even if they don't have a prayer request. No, thank you. No problem. But if they do have a prayer request, we could write it down and say, you know what? We're going to pray for you. And the wonderful thing is that God made a promise that he will answer their prayers to prove to them that there is a God in heaven. May I illustrate this? When I pastored in uh, Tennessee, we also employed this and we saw a lot of results. People started saying, oh, that's that church for pray that prays for people. Well, there's a lot of worse things you could be known for. We had a guy once I went and uh, was knocking on doors and met this guy in the neighborhood. And he says, oh yeah, I remember a year ago, I had a couple of people from your church come and knock on the door and ask how I could pray. And I had a house I'd been trying to sell for five years. And so they prayed at, that at the door with me. And he says, within one month, I had sold this house that I could not sell. He says, listen, whatever happened, it worked. And I said, may I show you the God who hears and answer prayer? And he accepted the Lord's Savior just like that. It was like picking up falling fruit. He was just ready. Why? Because God had proved that he was a real God to this man. We have a real God. We don't have an imaginary God. And one of the greatest ways to prove that our God is real is by answered prayers. We love taking prayer requests from people who don't go to church, who may not even believe that there's a God. Hey, you know what? There'll be a time sometime when that person needs to have prayer requests. It's amazing over the years how many people who are avowed atheists who will come by looking, make sure no one looks and say, hey, can you pray for me? There's a time where everyone will need prayer. And when they ha need that prayer, we better be ready to take that prayer request up to God because this is the time where God gets to prove to that person that God is real. How does God prove that he's real? By answered prayers. God had set this all the way back in the Old Testament that those who are without can know that our God is real because their prayer requests are answered. 
oh, I'm so thankful I don't have a fake imaginary God. In fact, if you could forgive me, back in the old days, uh, um, in the 1800s, there was a man by the name of Charles Finney. He was a lawyer and he was a little bit versed in the Bible because before the Civil War, in order to be a lawyer, you had to study the law book and the lawgiver. I kind of imagine, right? You had to know something about the lawgiver if you're going to practice law. So he knew something about his Bible, but there was a little church in the village where he was at where they would pray all the time and uh, their prayers bounced off the ceilings. Just and they would go up to him and say, Mr. Finney, you need to come to church. He says, I'm not going to church. Why not? He says, because you pray all the time and nothing ever happens. Your God's not real. You know, that's a big deal. Of course, God had worked in Charles Finney's life and he took an open Bible out to open field and read it for himself and got saved. And by the way, he was the catalyst for what we call in America the second great awakening, a great revival that swept through in the 1800s that helped prepare and fix some things of our early nation. But it wasn't an interesting testimony that he didn't get saved because he watched a church pray and nothing happened. Now, the reason why nothing happened is because that church was playing religious. As we talked about in Sunday school, some that seem religious, they were not saved themselves and they weren't right with God and their prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. We have a promise here that if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have access to God. And we could take the prayer request of others, give them up to God, and expect God to work and prove himself real. That's a big deal. In fact, this should be the heartbeat of what we have going on here is that people are tired of hearing about fake Christians and a fake God. They want to see for themselves that God is real. And I'm so thankful that we have a prayer request here. That's why we love taking prayer requests of those without. It is the best way to prove to them that God is real real. Let God show himself real through answered prayers. When others need to see that our God hears and answers prayer, God will hear those prayer requests. We see something else here as another uh, time we can expect God to hear or answer prayers. When spiritual war rages around us. When spiritual war rages around us. Notice with me in verse 34. If thy people go out to war against their enemies by the way that thou shalt send them. Now notice this, that thou shalt send them. So this is not a setting where people cause trouble themselves. We have a lot of wars raging around us that are self-induced. Where we opened up our mouth, we stirred up the hornet's nest, we did something foolish and now people aren't responding well to us. So that's not that situation. This is one that God sends us out to, a, a war that he sends us to. And pray towards thee, towards this city which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thee. Then hear thou from heaven their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. We're so thankful that if God sends us out as a church, let's say that we're going out door knocking, and we get in trouble for door knocking. Is that something that God's given us to do? Can we expect that God takes care of that maintaining our cause? Absolutely. We understand that there are many things, times that as we go out, we should expect warfare. There is no victory without building and battling. There is no such thing as a peaceful Christian life, meaning the absence of problems, the absence of issues. And if we're following the Lord as we should, the Bible gives a promise, yea, all those that live godly shall suffer persecution. 
You expect that. In fact, as long as they're kicking you in the rear, you know you have the lead. You just expect that. If you uh, don't want any problems, say nothing, be nothing, and do nothing. But as long as you want to follow the Lord, there's going to be issues. The good thing is, is that he doesn't leave us all by ourselves. That we could ask him to help and he can maintain our cause. He could help us and we could see the victory in Jesus Christ even in the midst of any spiritual warfare that we may face. That's a great comfort and a great encouragement. And then we have one more prayer request that is listed in here that we can expect God to hear and answer prayers. And that's when we sin, we can always get right with God. When we sin, we can always get right with God. Now, once again, he goes back to what he's already said before as an encouragement. It doesn't matter how far we've gone. God can always take us back. Notice with me verse 36. If they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not, and thou be angry with them and deliver them over before their enemies that they carry them away captives unto a land far off or near, yet if they bethink themselves in the land where, whither they are carried captive and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity saying, we have sinned, we have done amiss and have dealt wickedly. If they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whether they, are carried, uh, thou, they have carried them captives and pray towards their land, which thou givest to their fathers and towards the city, which thou hast chosen and towards the house, which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications and maintain their cause and forgive the, thy people which have sinned against thee. We know that there's always consequences for sin. But God always leaves the door open for someone to come back to him. I'm so thankful. There may be times in your own life where you walked far away from God and God took you back. Oh, I'm so thankful that God does. That God has a restoring work. And that we just come back to him with all of our hearts. Say, Lord, I messed up. Lord, forgive me. He's willing to restore. I'm so thankful that we have a forgiving God who's willing to take us back at any time. Now, this is a great comfort because the one thing when we're away from the Lord we don't want to do is pray. But God says, if you just pray, I'll take you back. Just humble yourself and come back to me and I will take you. Now, as Solomon concludes this prayer, notice in verse 40. Now, my God, let, I beseech thee, thine eyes to be open and let thine ears be attentive unto the prayer that is made to this place. So as Solomon is praying, he's saying, Lord, can you now show that you accept this prayer, that these are the conditions, the seven prayer requests that we can expect you to answer to prove that we know that you heard and that you will answer these things. God, I'm asking you to come down. Verse 41. Now therefore arise, O Lord, into thy resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength, and let thy priests, O Lord, be clothed with salvation, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord, turn not away thy face from thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David thy father. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. As evidence that all these conditions that God will answer these prayers is true, that God came down as a pillar of fire. The smoke was already there. So can you imagine this backdrop? We'll cover this tonight. But can you imagine the smoke's already filled and the fire comes behind it and just lights up that smoke? 
And the people go, wow. You know, we have the evidence, the proof that God said, these are accepted. These are seven conditions I will definitely hear from heaven and forgive your sins, restore you, give you the path, give you wisdom. I'll do these things. Now, why am I making a big deal out of this? Because perhaps there's someone in here that's far away from God. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior to start with. May I tell you there's a God who's willing to forgive you of your sins? But perhaps there's someone that's saved. You've been born again. There's a time where you accepted Jesus to be your savior. But you've been waddling out in the world. You've been in the mess. Maybe God's allowed you to have what you wanted. And now you have the consequences of it. Let me tell you that there's a God in heaven who's willing to take you back. At any time, he's willing to take you back. You just have to take that first step. He's already extended his hand. He's given you an invitation. All you have to do is reach out and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you to forgive me. Lord, show me what to do to get this right. And God will. I'm so thankful that we could be as close to God as we want to be. And God wants you to be so close to him. Just return back to him. Come back to him and he'll take you back, each one of you. If there's someone in here that doesn't know Jesus Christ, your savior in just a moment, we're going to have what's called an invitation. And I'd like to invite you to come and it'd be our privilege to take the Bible and to show you from the Bible how you can know without a doubt that your sins are forgiven. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.